When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. We support our local team and our local brewery, Phantom Brewery. And they've decided to support us back and you guys by offering a 10% off code. EPR10 when used on their website, phantombrew.com will get you 10% off anything you order this season. That code again, EPR10. Lafondra looking to get caught side of Fon. Lafondra away from David. 3-1 running. Three points running. Hello there. You join me, Jacob Southline, for another edition of the Elm Park Rules preview podcast, sponsored by Phantom Brewing Co. down in Reading. They do beers. They do nice food out in the car park. You should definitely get on down there if you're a local. If you're not a local, take a day trip. Why not? Um, I want to start this episode with a couple of things, including an apology to Jonathan Lowe from Berkshire Live, who last night over a Twitter DM, I referred to as John Terry. I, called, I said, hey, JT, fancy hopping on the podcast this week. He has hopped on the podcast this week, but I'm still very, very embarrassed. Good morning, Jonathan. Uh, yes. Hello. Good morning. Um, apology accepted. And um, if JT does pop up in the background, then you know why. Yeah, he loves he loves a photo of that man. They'll probably turn up in full kit just for the Elm Park Rules podcast. So that that was number one was saying hello to Jonathan and also sorry to Jonathan. I also want to give a shout out as well as to Phantom. Um, Paul said that I should plug my new fancy football podcast. <laughs> uh, I've set up a new podcast with my mate Finn called The Drunken Transfer. You can follow us on Twitter at Drunken Transfer. If you're of a, a fancy football disposition, I think you'd enjoy it. So uh, get onto Twitter. All the links are there. You can listen to it on Spotify and whatnot. And uh, we've we've done a we've cranked out about half a dozen episodes already. So if that sounds like something you'd enjoy, definitely go and check that out. Are you a fancy football man, Jonathan? I am actually. Yes, uh, I try to to keep up with it every week. Uh, the odd week I do forget, but last week was extremely infuriating. I had eight. Points. Oh, it was. Eight it was. Can you, you got eight points last week altogether. No, on the bench. Oh, on the bench. I was going to say that would have been a nightmare. That would have been a, a well, disaster of seismic yeah, proportions. I, I, I don't know what's worse, really. Like, the frustration of having eight points on the bench. Gosh, it's we could do an entire podcast just about that, and indeed we have. So uh, we better get into the real stuff, which is what you're all here for, and that's previewing the Millwall game this weekend. Reading fans are travelling to the Den this Saturday, 3pm kickoff in South London. And uh, Jonathan, it's the first time we've got you on the pod this season. I suppose you're just as surprised as I am that Reading are doing half as well as they are. Because at the time of recording, we're flying high, third in the league. By all accounts, a couple of amazing performances recently. And and, uh, we blew Blackburn away 3-0 and put in a really dogged performance to see off Middlesbrough at home too. Fortress Medeski, what have you made of it all? 
Yeah, it's been excellent really, hasn't it? Um, I don't think anyone's, any one of us really saw it coming, especially after that Blackpool defeat uh, first up on the first day of the season. But uh, certainly in, in recent weeks, they've really um, upped their game uh, in every sense. And obviously that, that Blackburn game was terrific, the 3-0 victory, and then following it up, um, you know, not in the same fashion, but uh, in a different fashion, but equally effective. Um, seeing off a Middlesbrough side who, who, who many are tipping to be... You know, certainly around the playoffs this season so it was a great performance a great result and to see them third in the league I don't think anyone would have expected that I certainly didn't um, I think uh, as Paul Lintz has already alluded to this season there's no standout team in, in the division certainly so far so it's uh, really up for grabs and and you know Reading have pulled some results together and it just shows if you if you get on a bit of momentum then you can fly up the league and, and look they're, they're one place off top and you know, after you know, even after that uh, Stevenage game uh, and, and Rotherham as well, obviously so much doom and gloom, and to, to turn it on its head like that, it's got to be a huge credit to to everyone involved with the club, the, the players, and obviously Paul Ince. Yeah, huge credit has to go to Ince for turning it around after Rotherham because after that game, I was thinking, along with many others, okay, here we go again because it's been a, a summer of mass change on the on the playing staff side, you know, we've had to cobble together a midfield from scratch. A couple of those players who I'd written off early doors, like Tyrese Fauna, have really changed my mind and won me over in the last couple of games. I mean, Fauna in particular scoring the winner at the weekend with a, a goal of incredible technique, but but also he looks re-energised next to uh, Mamadou Loon, doesn't he? I mean, have you been impressed with with those two? Yes, Loon uh, especially. Um, he, I mean, I should whisper it quietly, but he, he does look slightly above Reading's level uh, with all due respect to Reading um, but uh, if he can keep up that level of performance then he's going to be some, certainly some player for Reading uh, the only caveat I guess would say is that you, you look at someone like um, Pele or Alfa Semedo in recent seasons coming in on loan and having some really good games but then also sort of drifting through other games so hopefully that's not the case with Loom um, certainly on, on the evidence that we've seen of him so far he's a, he's a real uh, unit in that midfield and, and certainly someone who can take a game by the scruff of the neck and drive the team on and, and hopefully um, you know, his performance can inspire the team to to uh, to many victories. So, um, yes, he's, he's been uh, an excellent signing and Tari's Fauna, um, you know, like the team really, a, a bit of a slow start of the season, understandably so, given the fact that it's his first time, I think, at championship level, um, but really kind of, um, um, you know, settled in uh, really seamlessly now and, and carries the ball really well. Um, He's, uh, I spoke to him uh, over the pre-season actually at uh, St George's Park in, in the pre-season training camp, and um, he's got a good confidence about him. It's, it's, you know, some people will call it arrogance, but other will call it confidence. I, I'd call it confidence, um, which is good, which is what you need, and, and he's now backing up with his performances. So, um, you know, if you've got that real belief in, in your game that you're you're going to do well and you are a good player, then. You know, hopefully that sort of transpires onto the pitch and and we're seeing that so hopefully you can keep that up as much as possible um you know Paul Ince is, is, is always saying what a young kid he is like a lot of the players to be honest uh, so maybe we you know we shouldn't be too hard on them uh, at any stage but uh, certainly he, he is growing and developing and in, in people like Mamadou Loom, Jeff Hendrick and obviously Ince himself you've got plenty of players around him uh, and obviously the manager who, who can he can learn from and develop his game and that can only be good for himself and for Reading. Yeah, we talked a little about the incomings and how impressive some of them have been and and the way we've married 
that youth along with experience with you know the likes of the manager Shane Long who's the oldest player in the squad Jeff Hendrick who's an experienced head let's mention one notable outgoing that's turned into a bit of a saga this summer and uh, I'm talking of course about George Puskas who uh, thanks to Berkshire Live and, and your sterling reporting work Jonathan um, it looks like the end is finally in sight doesn't it it looks like he's finally going to be out the door to Genoa, I believe. Can you tell us a little about that? Um, so, yeah, it's uh, obviously the long-running saga, uh, almost as long as the Nabi Sar saga. Um, but, yeah, he's, he's obviously been... Uh, he's want, been wanted by a lot of Italian clubs. He, he's very big over there. Had that successful spell with Pisa at the second half of last season. Scored, I think, eight goals in, in 22 appearances, I think it was overall, including the playoffs. Um, highly regarded over there and... Um, Move to Genoa gives him a, a, a fresh start to, to really kickstart his career. It's a season-long loan move um, with an obligation for them to buy him at the end of the season for €3 million Euros should they achieve promotion to Serie A. Um, they've just come down from Serie A. They finished 19th in the league uh, last season. So, obviously, I, I, mean, I don't know too much about Italian second-tier football, but I'd imagine they're, they're one of the favourites to to go straight back up. So uh, we'll all be cheering on Genoa to, well, I would imagine that most of Reading fans will be cheering on Genoa to um, hopefully they, they can achieve what they want this season and uh, they sign Puskas permanently because unfortunately for him, it just hasn't really worked out for him. He's obviously had three years in Reading from uh, 2019 when he was signed from Inter Milan. Lots of hype and he had that Cardiff game, didn't he? And he had that, uh, was it seven minute, no, three minute hat-trick at uh, Wigan, was it? it was an incredible hat-trick. Um, but aside from that, uh, it's been a, a largely underwhelming um, two and a half years or three years in English football. And um, I think, it, you know, for the good of Reading, for the good of him and for the good of uh, Genoa, it's, it's good that uh, he's been given this chance now. And, and hopefully he can really kick on. And uh, I think he's only 26, so he's, he's still got plenty of time in his career to, to really push on. And um, obviously, from a Reading perspective, it it frees up the or reduces the wage bill at least uh, and uh, frees up a place in, in the squad for, the, for this season and um so yeah it's it's, it's, a, it's a win-win situation all round. i think um you know reading we're never gonna get gonna get the, the seven and a half million pound back that they spent on him so uh, this is the next best uh, uh case scenario and um yeah let's, let's hope he, he does well it's a shame really because i mean i like puskas as a bloke and obviously you know he's had his high moments but you know, now we're talking about needing to free up the wage bill to get in a player like Nabi Saar, who would instantly improve our defence. Has been training with Reading for going on a month now. It'd be great to get him registered in time for the weekend. Let's talk about the weekend now because we're off to Millwall, who have had the most average of average starts to the season this year. They're currently sitting on two wins, two losses, and a draw. I think at time of recording. Their last game was a 2-0 loss to Norwich. I mean, Norwich, obviously, who are tipped to do well this season. But but still, it's, it's opposition that you'd fancy ourselves against in the form that we're in. But equally, Reading haven't picked up any points on the road yet so far this season. So it really is a game that could go either way, isn't it, Jonathan? Yeah, it's a, it's a tricky one, this, because uh, as we all know, it, it's, it can be quite a hostile atmosphere there in, at the Den. So, uh, you know depending on how Reading players react to it, uh, um, you know, if they get an early goal and, and manage to silence the crowd, then obviously that's that would be a good thing. And, uh, you know, you'd probably bet on them to, to go on and win the game. If, if Millwall get their tails up and, and get an early goal, then uh, it could be a long way back. So um, they've had uh, 
two wins there so far this season against Coventry and against Stoke City on the opening day. The rest of their games have been away from home, so this is only their third home game of the season. Um, yeah, they'll they'll be up for it. They've uh, you know had had more than a week to to prepare for it because the Norwich game was uh, was last Friday night, so yeah, we've had just over a week to uh, you know, clear week to prepare for it. So. Um, yeah, and they're always pretty tight games. These these games certainly are going on recent years. There's there's never too much uh, between the two sides, and um, I mean ultimately, yeah, it's kind of who who really plays the the atmosphere there better, uh, really. Um, you know, they they've, they they usually uh, yeah well organised team. They're, they're they're solid defensively, and someone like Jake Cooper, they've they've always got a, an aerial threat at the other end as well, and and. Um, yeah, they're getting your faces. So, um, yeah, I, I imagine it to be to be a very tight game. And to be honest, I think you know I, I would probably take a point uh, from a winning perspective. Not wanting to trot out too many cliches. It is a tough place to go, and uh, probably I, I would say a, a point would be a, um, a good result for, for Reading. You look at our previous six meetings, and Millwall have won six of them. But you know, we touched upon the intimidating atmosphere. But you'd think of all the Reading squads in the last few years, this is probably one that. It's probably built and equipped to deal with that the most because we've got some real strong personalities in the squad now, like Sam Hutchinson, uh, Shane Long's not going to be overawed by it too much. I know that Ince has tried to make us a little less psychologically brittle and a bit more dogged. So we'll have to see. We've we've sold out the the lower tier, I know, at Mill, so they'll be in, in good voice, the Reading fans. And like you say, both teams have had a week to recover now, no football in, in a week. And I think Reading did... It's, it's a double-edged sword, isn't it? Because I think Reading will have been grateful for the time to recover because we've got a couple of injury question marks over the likes of Nesta Guinness-Walker and Hutchinson came off injured in the last game as well. But equally, Reading would have wanted to have kept that good momentum going as well. So it's uh, it's going to be a tight game. I think a lot of pundits have got us down as a, a draw, which again, it would be a point on the road. If you're predicting a draw, then, you know, it's... I think it would be a valuable point and just keep the unbeaten streak going. I'm going to stick my neck on the line. And for the first Elm Park Royals preview podcast of the season, I'm actually going to predict a win. How about that? I'm going to go 2-1 to Reading. If it, what are you thinking score-wise, Jonathan? I mean, I don't really, I don't really want to go boring one all, um, but I'm, I'm tempted to go for that. Um, and, I, and I've said it's going to be a draw, so I've got to stick by that. Um, I mean, let's go 2 all. Um, you know, I can't see them keeping a clean sheet, but I can see them scoring maybe one, maybe two goals. So I'll go for two all. Um, and obviously, I, you know, it's important to bear in mind they got Sheffield United a few days afterwards. So, um, yeah, that, that, that's two tricky away games. Um, and, you know, realistically, a, a draw uh, in both games, I, I think, wouldn't necessarily be, be a bad thing. Yeah, I'll take a high score in score draw like any day of the week. And like you say, looking even further ahead, We've got a midweek game this week against Jeff United, like you say. And then after that, we're playing Stoke, who have just, again, at the time of recording, hot off the press. This is live news happening as we speak. Uh, Michael O'Neill, Stoke manager, or should I say former Stoke manager, he's gone. He's been given the chop. Um, Stoke have swung the axe and Michael O'Neill has been sacked by Stoke. And I know that, you know, they've made signings, one of which is 
Josh Laurent, who's going to be out for a couple of months. I think he's just, he's nobbled himself. But it's uh, reassuring to see the championship sacking race in full swing early doors after five games. So, uh, Jonathan, I just want to say thanks for coming on this week. Um, I'm sorry to those of you at home that um, you might have heard a little bit of an audio disturbance in the background. Jonathan's having um, a new mansion built in the background. He's, he's got some some building work on at the moment, but hopefully um, it hasn't impacted upon your enjoyment of the pub. Because I've had fun. Have you had fun, Jonathan? I hope you've had fun. Very much so, yes. You're uh, you're welcome back anytime or whenever we've not got on James Earnshaw as well. So that's all from me for now. We're now going to have a break. Jonathan's going to go away and get himself a well-earned cup of coffee. And uh, after the break, we're going to be joined by that Millwall pod to get the lowdown on the opposition for Saturday's game. So join us then. Welcome back after the break. Jonathan Lowe's gone now to finish building his his bungalow for Baba Rahman. Um, Kai Bennett, who's just joined us from that Millwall pod, has no idea what I'm talking about. But in the first half of the podcast, we had uh, Jonathan on from the local paper. Um, for the whole pod, it, suffice to say, he's having some pretty extreme building work done at home. And it sounded oh, yeah. like uh, someone was um, blowing a didgeridoo for the whole of the pod. So I'm sure the listeners at home have thoroughly enjoyed the first 15 minutes. So, But meanwhile, <laughs> on your end, it sounds positively tranquil. How are you doing? I'm all good, mate. I'm all good. Yeah, I'm looking forward to, to talking about, about the game on Saturday. How are you, been? Yeah, not too bad. I mean, we're we're up in nosebleed territory in third. Like, it's something that most running fans couldn't have dreamed in their wildest dreams. Millwall, I was having a look, they've had a pretty middling start to the season. You've got two wins, two losses and a draw so far, which is just about as average as, as average can get. Um, last time out, you lost to Norwich 2-0. How did that go? Um, it was a really weird game. We've had a real problem um, just before the Norwich game, probably three games before that, where we we conceded about two, we always conceded two goals in the first half. Um and the two previous games before Norwich, we'd actually considered two goals um, in the first 20 minutes. So we were really struggling with starting quickly, starting, um, you know, making sure we, we could have ourselves a base to be able to build off. Um, and against Norwich, we, we did really well for the first 10-15. I think the most important thing was going through without conceding. Uh, we did well. And I think the best way to do that against Norwich, a team like Norwich, is just try and keep the ball. And we did that really well. And Norwich really struggled to get the ball off us. They didn't really lay a glove on us all first half. Um, it's pretty well. It was a pretty boring first half, I must admit. But it was good from our point of view because we'd we you know limited Norwich to very few chances. We've had a few chances of our own, and we thought, well, we're very well set up now to go for the second half. Fortunately, we lost laps, little laps in concentration first five minutes, and they and they they, they get their noses in front. Which at which point I wasn't really worried about because we'd you know we come back from losing positions before uh, Swansea and Coventry. We picked up four points out of six there. I'm not quite sure how we got a point against Swansea, but we managed to do that. Um, and then, you know, you feel like, you know, we get a goal here, we could maybe nick it later on. And then Fleming and Vogslama came on. Um, our two well, new signings, Vogslama, even newer. Um, really Looked really, really good. But then Norwich get that second goal where you could argue it's a foul. Uh, you could also argue it's weak defending. I think it's probably a bit of both. Um, but unfortunately, we couldn't, we couldn't, you know, come back from there again, which is a bit of a shame. But no, all, all round, I think it was positive in parts. Just a shame we could we conceded another two goals. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about Fogelsam because it was a name that when I was looking at your predicted lineup that wasn't familiar to me. And then I did some digging, and he's in line to make his full debut for you guys on the weekend. I, I saw that in the. I know it's 
you know, we can talk about stats until we're blue in the face, but he had the fifth highest XG of any player in the division last weekend. So it sounds like he's quite handy. What sort of a forward is he? Is he is he quick? Is he a big target man? I've got no idea. Well, it's quite impressive that he's got that XG because he only played for 20 minutes. So he, he's, it's quite an impressive stat that I'd, I'd probably be looking at that thinking I've done pretty well there. Um, no, he's, he's strong. Um, he's got a bit of, quick, a bit, bit of pace to him. When, when we signed him, it was one of them names out of the blue we'd never really heard of. Um, I think a lot of Mill fans were a bit unsure about it. But the more you did digging into it, um, it says on Wikipedia he scored seven goals in 46 games for Union Berlin. But if you if you, there was a, I can't remember which Millwall fan it was. It was a Millwall fan on Twitter that did a really good bit of um, digging into his stats. And it's actually, he scored, I think it's a, it averages out about a goal every three games wow. um, when he actually starts. Um, so it's a pretty, pretty uh, impressive return. Uh, I think it was something like, it was, it was very good anyway. I can't remember exact, exact, uh, exact tweet. But it was a, it was very good, much better than what Wikipedia says. He's strong, he's mobile. He seems like the sort of player will, will, will suit Millwall. Um, his first two games he's been really unlucky. He's hit the bar both games, so he only came on mm. for twenty minutes against Swansea, twenty minutes against Norwich, and in both games he's hit the bar, which you know they have to come good eventually. Uh, but no, he's really exciting side, and I think if him and Fleming can link up well as well, as well along with Benigafobi, could be really exciting front line. I hope it's not this weekend that he decides to bag because <laughs> no, because now we've talked him up. I guarantee he's he's either going to get sent off or he's going to go and bag a hatchet. There's no in between. So, okay. uh, but looking down the the list of the rest of your goal scorers this season, I know it's early doors and you know we're only five games in, but I was surprised to see so many of your goal scorers have been defenders. Yeah. So I know that uh, Charlie Cresswell's popped up with a couple. Former Reading man Jake Cooper is he still club captain? By the way, Jake Cooper because um. um or, yeah, or is it? Or is because because he's one that I I really did rue the day we let him go because I really like Cooper. I was amazed that Yapstam sold him in the first place. But so he's popped up with a goal, um, and you're a team that are handy from set pieces. So have you been surprised by just how many goals of your defenders have been knocking in? Um, not really. No, I mean I think the I think Cooper Cooper's size and stature says says it all. I think Cooper. You know he's a superb defender. I think if he if he gets his ball or if he gets his uh, you know head of the ball, it's it's very likely that it's gonna probably gonna go in. With with Cresswell, there's a there's a little difference there between the two. He's not maybe not as big as Cooper, but I think he's more. For example, his goals against Stoke, for example, his header was bullet header. Second goal was like a volley, just about three or four yards out. But it takes skill to to volley at home when it's coming in the air and stuff like that. And he and he did really well. But as for Cooper and club captain, he's actually. I don't believe he is. It's a weird one. Alex Pierce left in the summer. Um, who was another captain. another former Royal? Yeah, well, yeah about another, another former yeah. Reading centre backs and you guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we seem to love it. But what I don't know what it is. I don't. I don't actually know who club captain is because we've never actually announced it. So it's been it's been one where Hutch has, Hutch came back into the side on Friday. He got the captain's armband. But for large majorities of last season, whenever Pierce wasn't in the squad, which admittedly wasn't very often because he wasn't often in the team because you know he's getting older and it was more of a, 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 a sub late on if we needed to, to see out the game. But a lot of the time last season, even when Coops was in the team, Hutch was always captain. Uh, this year, Hutch has been out, hasn't really played, hasn't really started much. He's been on the bench, but just hasn't been favoured in there. But came back into the side on Friday night. Coops wasn't in the side, admittedly. Um, that had the captain's armband. So we don't actually know who really is the club, the club captain. We all assume that Hutch would have taken it after Pierce left, just because he was the one that would get it always last season, even if Coops was in the team. 
But as I don't, I don't know, Coops has had it quite a lot this season and Hutch has had it in his first game back. So it'd be interesting to see that. We still need to get something. We, we still haven't heard from the club with who is the club captain. It's an interesting one because usually there's a whole like announcement or all singing, all dancing thing around it, right? Because Reading changed captain, well, had to change captain this summer because, um, oh, it's, it's been all fun and games with us because, I mean, Liam Moore was our captain and then he had a public falling out with the owner. And then Michael Morrison took it in the meantime, and now he's left as a free agent. So when Andy Yeardham, our new captain, who's one of our longest-serving players, was given it, there was a whole like announcement on the club website and you know yada, 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 like interview the manager. So it's really interesting how you guys are doing it in a little bit of a different way. But I suppose if you've got several leaders in the squad, it's no bad thing, really. Like What players should Reading fans be looking out for if they're travelling to the Den at the weekend? Where, what, who are your danger men, if you like? Well, the thing the thing is, I think when Zian Fleming signed for the club in the summer, he was, you know, he was he was put put about as as the the next replacement for Jeb Wallace. But Gary Rowett doesn't want a replacement for Jeb Wallace. He wants to change change the way we play and move forward in a different way. And I think Zian Fleming does 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 have that. Zian Fleming, as I said, came on against Norwich on Friday. Looked really good. Loves it. Loves. Is really creative in the midfield. He plays not number ten. He'll try and play balls in behind. He'll he'll get the he'll get the ball. He'll try to you know little little nice out outside the foot passes in behind the defence. Just likes to create uh, chances. Really did really well at Fortuna Sittard, which is a really interesting one because when Manchester United are looking at Anthony for eighty million, I think it's euros, isn't it? Um, he scored four goals. I think it was four goals, one assist last year, something like that. Uh, Zian Fleming got. Uh, something like 12 goals, seven assists, was in the team of the year. And he's signed for Millwall for £1.7 million. So there's oh, yeah. obviously, yeah, ov- obviously Anthony is, you know, obviously our bigger club. Oh, so but, but my, my housemate's a United fan and the money that they're spending, like he, he, just, if you yeah. you mention it to him, he'll come out in hype. So yeah, let's, let's <laughs> not. But <laughs> No, well, as for, as for players to look out for, obviously Fleming would definitely be one. Volkslama uh, has to be one. Um, Benic Fobi hasn't really found his uh, scoring boots this year, but I, I expect him to come good at some point. Um, as of, you, you know, our, our centre backs are always threats in the air. But well, the one that I'd like to sort of pinpoint at the moment, just because we've seen a lot of him this year, is George Honeyman from Hull. Um, being a real, uh, he's a real grafter, but has that element of real quality as well when he gets on the ball. So he's a bit of a Millwall fans like to describe this a Millwall type player, which is you know gives everything, gives everything for the shirt. Honeyman is a exactly what Millwall fans love to see. Everyone, someone that's going to give everything, put, put everything into a tackle, um, you know, really impress the fans, get fans off their seats. And I think he he defines that. But with Honeyman, he, he's just, he's got that little bit more, little more quality than maybe we've had over the years as well. So he's exciting one for, for Millwall fans to see what he's going to be like in the future. And then the last one I've mentioned is Tyler Bury. It's just seems seems this year that he's got that little bit extra pace, a uh, bit stronger on the ball. And he's, he's definitely, definitely one to look out for. So, I mean, it sounds like on paper and on the pitch, you've got a squad, right? You've, you've got a squad that can compete. And then if you look at how he did last season when you're a team that was sniffing around the playoffs for large parts of the campaign, you know, on and off, you ended up finishing ninth, I believe. That leads us on to asking then, what are Millwall fans' hopes for the season? Because I know it's, it's early days, we're only five games in. The table only really starts to take shape maybe sort of 10, 12 games in. But what would be a successful season for you guys? Or like, what are you expecting come May? We're like, where, where are you going to finish? Well, I think if you ask every Millwall fan, I think 
their hopes and dreams of the playoffs. Um, I think we've got a squad good enough and and sort of not just experienced enough, but has the right sort of balance in there now um, to take us to the playoffs. Last year, um, obviously, we missed, we've, we've lost Jeb Wallace, which is obviously a, a big, big loss for us. But I think this year, the squad looks more balanced. Um, it doesn't look like it's going to rely on one man to get the goals and provide the creativity that we need. It's going to have other players that can do that, as Ian Fleming's uh, Fugslam or Benicophobia. There's plenty of attackers there now. Obviously, Mason Bennett is out for eight weeks, which is a big blow because he, he was just starting to come into his own. But also, I, I just wonder whether if, even now, our squad depth is is brilliant. It looks much better than it did before, but Gary Rout still still wants players. Um, he still wants another one. I know he said that earlier, I think to Southland Press. Um, and, you know, he said anything else that, that, that drops. So, it's exciting. We, we, we seem like we're being ambitious, which is which probably I think it shows where we're at in terms of a football club. We are ready to make that next step, and, and fans are the, the owner of the ball. Everyone in the, at the football club believes we can do it. It's just about you know getting the right, having the right players, and and now and now showing it on the pitch. I've always been really impressed by Gary Rowett in general. Like he's in terms of those championship managers who you know are you know going to well organise a side and and get a team up the table. I've always looked very enviously. At him, I mean, are you pleased with the job that he's doing? I'm really pleased with the with the job that Gary's doing. I think he's a he's a brilliant manager. Um, he's had his ups and downs with Millwall. I uh, must admit, he's you know he did really really well when he first came in. But a little bit of a wobble. Uh, I think it was in the COVID season. We didn't win for about 14 games, um, and there was a few you know nervy moments where I thought you know they could be dodgy for Gary if he continues like this. But once again, he turned it round. Last season again, there was a few moments where. You know, we we weren't as attractive on the eye playing football wise. We were quite defensive. We were trying to keep ourselves solid before doing anything else. But this year, he seems to give the the attacking players that little bit more freedom. Which I don't know. It's difficult when you how you look at it. I mean, our defense has never been the problem. Our defense has always kept us, us clean sheets. Has always done really well. This season, it seems like the defense is actually more of the problem than the attack. Which I guess, in a way, is probably quite a good thing because. We've seen how we've struggled to score goals over years. But now our attacks come good. I think every Millwall fan, you know, even though they might be a bit concerned about how the defence is doing currently, I think no Millwall fan probably doubts the fact that we will we will we will clean it up at the back and we will make sure we'll get back to win back back to them sort of high standards we have been. And if we can do that and we're scoring goals as well, it's quite exciting. And you know, it's it's not really a normal it's not been a Millwall team for a while now that scores feels like we're scoring seven and conceding six. Obviously, we haven't done that, obviously, in games. But, you know, up until Norwich, we, we had scored seven and conceded six. So, it's, um, yeah, interesting. Different style of play, different, you know, seems like the attackers get more freedom. But I've got full faith that the, the defence will come back to keeping clean sheets once again very soon. It's funny. I was talking to the Borough lads last week before we played them at home. They predicted a 3-0 win, by the way, and we ended up doing 1-0. So, you know, we'll move on to predictions in a second. But they were saying a similar thing to you in that, the borough defence in previous years has, has been very, very solid. But then the sort of, I don't know, sort of second-hand sacrifice they've had to make in order to free up the attacker sort of come at the back. So maybe there's a couple of teams sort of like moving in in that direction now in the league. But on the subject of Saturday, um, let's put our money where our mouth is and talk score predictions because... I'll let you into a secret card. I've not gone, got one right this season yet, like result or score. So it's not looking good for me. But the stat that jumped out to me 
uh, when I was researching for the pod, I say researching, I was Googling. Um, we haven't won at your place since the 2012-2013 season, which is Don't say ten, that. 10 years, right? Don't say <laughs> that, said it now. win now. Well, I, but I mean, you know, to go back to Man United very briefly, like Eric Ten Hag said the other day, like eras come to an end. And I, I think yeah. it might be this weekend. You know, I'm going to very optimistically, very optimistically, go for a 2-1 win to the Royals. And um, you have full permission to message me when I get egg on my face um, come five <laughs> o'clock on Saturday. But what about you? How are you feeling about it? Because, you know, you've had you've had an up and down season today. Surely you want to be picking up points against Reading, right? Even though we're in yeah. form. No, absolutely. I think it's the, the, the Den. Well, we've won, we've won our last five games at the Den. In all, in all competitions. Well, I think it's just, well, that's the championship. And last year, the Den was a fortress. And this year, we both of our wins have come at the Den. So we're unbeaten at the Den. We've won every game at the Den. I'd like to continue that. You know, it's, it's, it keeps a good um, mentality, doesn't it? You win your home games and, you know, you try to pick up points on the on the road. So I'll go for Mill 2, Reading nil. Oof. Okay. Keeping a clean sheet at home, you know. Fort, fortress, the new day. I hope so. Well, I yeah, hope so. Go. It's funny, between the two of us, of two teams, not us specifically, we must have the best home records in the league because I think we, Reading have, have picked up all their wins at home as well. I mean, we haven't picked up a single point on the road yet. So, you know, now I've said that as well. But, well, there you go. There you go. <laughs> but maybe we're more alike than we think. Um, Kai, I just want to thank you for coming on, especially at short notice this week. I really appreciate it. If you guys at home want to follow that Millwall pod... Kai is a member of the That Millwall Pod cohort. Uh, how can they follow you guys on Twitter? What's your at? Uh, so Twitter is at That Millwall Pod. All, all social medias are at That Millwall Pod. And before I go, I just remembered that I I did get that wrong. We have got picked up a point away. We, we, <laughs> just in case anyone says to me that you've yeah you've forgotten, but I didn't forget. I've just just it's just gone for a minute, but it's back again. We've got like an army of like fact checkers, like ready to like pick up on every <laughs> single word you've said, Kai. Don't worry. Uh, but thanks again for coming on. Thank you guys at home for listening to another edition of the Elm Park Rules preview podcast, supported by Phantom Brewing Co. in RG1. Get down there for a pre match pint, why don't you? I mean, actually, don't go down there for a pre match pint on Saturday because we're playing away and you'll miss the game. So, <laughs> but that's been all from me and Kai and Jonathan. Take care and up the rules.